Welcome back to Prognosis Ohio, an Ohio healthcare podcast in collaboration with WCBE. I'm your host, Dan Skinner. On today's episode, we're talking about Ohio's restaurants, the economic challenges that they face, and how they're gearing up for an imminent reopening, whether that's in the next few weeks or months. On today's episode, I talk with John Barker, who's president of the Ohio Restaurant Association, the main trade group representing Ohio's restaurant, food service, and hospitality industry. Hey folks, and welcome to the episode. Obviously, many of us just wish we could go out, and restaurants are a big part of that idea. I thought it was a really good conversation I had with John Barker, and I found his comments helpful for understanding the industry perspective. It also reminded me of the high stakes for the present moment for the industry itself. As I hope we all know, there's real suffering out there, and most of you also probably know that the restaurant industry runs on really tight margins, at least most of it does. Already, a large number of restaurants have announced that they're going to be closing their doors for good, and there's going to be a lot more announcements like this in the coming weeks and months. Yet I also know that listeners are going to have some mixed thoughts on the issue of reopening. We've seen the protests by critics, many of whom seem to be targeting Ohio's Director of Health, Dr. Amy Acton, but they also seem to be challenging the public health model in general. You probably also heard that at least one high-profile restaurant owner was threatening to defy the state order and open their doors. That is, until the state made clear that he'd be risking his liquor license if he opened in violation of the law. He backed down pretty quickly. While Barker reminds us that the restaurant industry is already highly regulated and has long-standing experience with addressing issues with hygiene and cleanliness, I know that lots of establishments I've been visiting over the past few weeks have not had what I would consider to be the most hygienic or best practices. Many aren't requiring masks or gloves of their employees, and I also have to add that, in my view, we're seeing a real backlash with all the investments we've made over the past decade or so with touch screens. Having to touch an unwashed screen to give an employee a tip is a pretty unnecessary thing during a pandemic, so we're going to need to do better with that. Putting the winds back in the restaurant industry's sales isn't going to just require a change in policy by Governor DeWine or Director Acton. It's going to take a lot of trust. Polls continue to show that most Americans and most Ohioans just aren't that excited to jump back into restaurants at this time. I know that I'm not alone in joining these Ohioans, especially with so many people around me who are clearly not taking this seriously. But I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on the conversation. As always, before turning to my conversation with John Barker, I'd like to remind you to please subscribe to Prognosis Ohio wherever you get your podcasts and consider following us on Twitter at at Prognosis Ohio and friending us on Facebook. Also, if you have ideas for show themes or interviews, please don't hesitate to email us at prognosisohio at gmail.com. We're really excited about the next bunch of shows we have coming. To give you just a taste, later in this week, we're going to have an interview with two Cincinnati-based comedians about the importance of humor in making it through the COVID-19 pandemic. And finally, on May 11th, I'm excited to share an interview I did with two young Ohioans who head up the Ohio Students for Gun Legislation Group, an organization that has an important perspective on the current public health moment. We're also in the process of trying to put together an episode to honor National Nurses Week. Though we won't get this episode out in time for the actual week, which ends on the 12th, it's still something that's important to us, so we're going to do it a bit late. So we've got a lot of good and substantive discussions coming. With that said, a bunch of you have already subscribed to become Prognosis Ohio patrons, and we're super appreciative for that. If a few more listeners could chip in the three bucks a month, it'd really help us to grow the show. When the pandemic is over, we're going to be sure to get you one of the cool Prognosis Ohio t-shirts we're making. And also, we're hoping to have some live events where we can celebrate just the ability to be back out in the world and to be together and to talk about what we've been through. Visit patreon.com slash prognosisohio to chip in $3 a month and become a Prognosis Ohio Patreon. That's patreon.com slash prognosisohio. 
and thanks. John Barker is president and CEO of the Ohio Restaurant Association. His parents and family owned the Rustic Lounge Restaurant and Bar in the 1970s, and John was an executive at Wendy's for nearly 20 years. In addition to his work at the Ohio Restaurant Association, Barker teaches at the Ohio State University and the Fisher College of Business, and he also writes extensively about the food service industry. All right, Mr. John Barker, thanks so much for joining me. I'm happy to be here, Dan. Here we are social distancing um, from our various uh, stay-at-home uh, work abodes. And, you know, I was just thinking, you know, on a lighter note, before we get into some of the very serious things, God, I wish we could do this in a restaurant. I mean, I'm interviewing the president of the Ohio Restaurant Association, and we can't even meet in one of your members' uh, facilities for a great lunch. Well, that would be nice. We actually, you know, inside this industry, we have places to meet everything from restaurants to coffee shops to bakeries that also have, you know, something to drink and nice seating and just the whole gamut of places. And that's really what restaurants are all about. Places to gather, meet your friends, celebrate uh, happy times and, uh, and, you know, family events, things like that. And I know we're all missing that. Uh, It's a big part of our lives and and we're all looking forward to getting, getting back to that. Yeah, for sure. I know people are really looking forward to the just sitting there and having a chat over with a real person, not over Zoom. I wonder if we could start by just having you tell us a little bit about the Ohio Restaurant Association. You know, what do you, what do, you do? Um, not all listeners may know um, the scope of the kind of work you do. Yeah. Uh, so the Restaurant Association, it's a trade association, meaning that we work with members and uh, even the entire community. If they're not members, like right now, they, they everybody needs us to represent the industry. So we have about 23,000 restaurants in the state of Ohio. And so we represent a pretty big industry. It's the second largest industry um, in the public sector, government being the largest healthcare, and then uh, and then the restaurant industry. It's about 585,000 people who decided to make this, you know, the place they work and or place that they, you know, get paid, things like that. And, you know, although there are uh, people with all kinds of spectrums in the restaurant industry, many people decide this is their career. They just fall in love with the industry. So that's, we represent those people, the chefs, the cooks, the owners, the operators, the managers. But we also represent people who work 10 hours a week. And it's just a way for them to make a little extra money. And um, they love the heart of hospitality is in them, right? They love taking care of people and you know, they work in restaurants and, and, and everything from, you know, they might work in a, in a drive through window. They might uh, work in a fine dining restaurant where they're the host. They might uh, serve tables. And um, there's a place for everybody. So we represent all those. And we promote the heck out of this industry. And you and I have talked about places we like to go. We, we constantly uh, promote restaurants and events in restaurants and things like that so that people know about it and visit and spend more time and enjoy it and all that. And and then our, our trade association side also has sort of an advocacy side, and that's to protect the industry. And in a moment like this where we have a weird thing attacking us, right, it's not it's not a man-made thing. It's a virus. And um, so our, our members need a lot of help right now because they're under duress. Um, you know, out of that 585,000 uh, people that work in the industry, uh, right now we're somewhere north of 300,000 of them are unemployed. One of the things that I think has kind of buffered some of the anxiety um, is the hope of reopening. And that's kind of where we are. 
uh, right now. Um, you know, I know that you had hoped that restaurants might open by May 15th. It's, it's not looking like that's going to happen. But, you know, even if we're looking at a June 1st start, I know you've asked for two weeks so that restaurants can really start to prepare. And I imagine there's a lot to do just to get ready to reopen. Can you tell us how you're thinking about, you know, you've mentioned, for example, that the difference between May 15th and June 1st is possibly survival for for many Ohio restaurants. How are you thinking about the timing of all of this? Yeah, the reason we picked May 15th is we talk to restaurants every day. In fact, I would say on average for just me, just as president, I've talked to an average of 50 restaurateurs a day. Now we're in their seventh week of this. Okay. And mm-hmm. our conversations, by the way, my, I have a big, you know, a, a group that works with me and, and represents and all that. And they're also doing the same thing. So with that many restaurateurs, they need help with how do I apply for this loan? What do I do with my insurance? What do I do with my inventory? Every question that came up right during the last seven weeks. But what it's been in the last few weeks is we're now getting more, we're in desperation mode, meaning that they've uh, exhausted all their cash. Their rent is due, um, even though they've gotten some relief on things like maybe their insurance or, you know, that, that type of thing, uh, because there's been some work done by the by the state government to try to get some relief on that, which we appreciate. It's still all going to be due, right? And so somebody that is looking at their weekly, their monthly, and then maybe the next three months, they're getting to the point that they can't see tomorrow. And um, and so out of those restaurants, 23,000, roughly we're somewhere right around 3% who have indicated to us they've already decided to close. Each week that goes by, more of that desperation goes on. And this is, you know, for people who don't know the restaurant industry, it's a very tight margin, uh, you know, cash flow business. And so if you know anybody in the restaurant business, well, they, I'm sure you know this, right? Because they've shared it with you. So we're doing everything we can to try to get these restaurants open. Now, about 50% of the restaurants in the state are open. They're doing takeout and they're doing delivery and, and things like that. Our quick serve restaurants are doing drive through. And, and so they at least have a fighting chance, right? Those people yeah. who are already doing that, but people who weren't really set up like that, which is most of the mom and pops and the independents in these fine dining restaurants we all love, they're not set up to do that. They're the ones really under, under the gun. But, you know, even the ones that are open, Dan, even the ones that are open with all those tools that I mentioned, online ordering and so forth, they're down between 20 and 90% in sales versus the same time a year ago. That's the definition of, of catastrophic. And, you know, we talk about healthcare primarily on this show, although, you know, um, we understand the convergence of economics and healthcare. We talk about that a lot. Unemployment, for example, is, is in many ways a health crisis. So, you know, I, I'm sensitive to the fact that, you know, while we have these these needs to get open as fast as possible, I also know your organization has talked a lot about, look, we, we're ready to do this in, in, in a safe way. We're, we're ready to talk about hygiene. We're ready to put in whatever whatever new protocols might be necessary. I guess, could you give us a snapshot of the kinds of things you're working on to uh, assure that you know when this opening does happen, that people are safe, that health is the real number one thing, but also you need to guarantee that to instill people's confidence that they actually want to go. Because just because we open the restaurants in the state doesn't mean that people are going to go. You need to develop that kind of trust. Now, you said that really well. I think uh, making sure people feel confident. And there's going to be people who are more confident early on than others, right? If you are already compromised in some way from a health uh, situation, you're probably not going to be the first people to run out and go to the retail store or to go to the office. You're just not, right? You're going to, you're going to stay back. 
and protect yourself. Um, so everybody has a personal decision to make, but what we can do as an industry, first of all, this is an industry that, that already has intense regulation. We have health departments. We have over a hundred health departments around the state of Ohio. And those health departments work regularly with restaurants, with every regulation, every check and every piece of equipment and all the temperatures and just everything you, you would normally do. So we develop a new set of guidelines with them dealing, you know, to deal with COVID-19 with those health departments and issued that two weeks ago to the administration. And uh, it was very thorough. It was done with the health departments, not just us, although we have tremendous expertise because many of us have been in the restaurant industry for a long time. I was with, with the Wendy's company for 20 years right. and very closely with our quality assurance team. Laura Morrison on our team is an expert in food and employer health uh, safety. And so we developed all that, delivered that on top of that, the National Restaurant Association developed their own reopening guidelines with experts from across the United States in all sorts of fields. And that was also delivered. So we just wanted to make sure that at least the administration and uh, the legislators knew how serious we were about this. We know that we have to have uh, trust with the employees who are asking to work. And then for the customers, when they finally you know uh, lift and, and they're able to come into the restaurants, it has to be one where people know all the steps. So it's going to be the social distancing, which we're ready to implement. No issues with that. All the cleaning and sanitizing, which we already do, will heighten that. People will have gloves on. Uh, people will have some kind of face coverings on. I know the, the governor said today that those will not be mandated. But in many businesses, you're going to see them anyways. And it'll just become part of life. And um, so people working in a restaurant will have masks on when customers come in. Uh, each restaurant will have to decide what their you know policy is going to be on that. But I would imagine customers will wear, uh, wear those as well. And then when you get ready to eat, you'll obviously be with your party at a table, but you'll be social distanced from everybody else you know, in the facility. So we think we're ready to do this. We, we just got off a board meeting and I listened to operator after operator talk through how carefully they're planning for this. And I mean down to the detail and they mean it seriously. They're so sincere about it. The last thing they would want to have happen is to, to start creating a situation where, you know, we're, we're creating problems. We certainly would never want to do that. But our industry is a lot further along than other industries that never really had to do this. You know, I was listening to Cameron Mitchell, for example, here in the Columbus area talking about, you know, look, reopening once is difficult enough, but reopening twice. He talked about the thin margins that restaurants run typically. Not doing it right. There's a lot of stake in doing it right the first time because most of these or a lot of these um, you know, restaurants won't weather that storm if they need to start all over again and go through this again. Yeah, you're right. So that's that's why we've taken this so seriously. And, and we mean it. We're sincere about it. Our board is sincere about it. We know that the administration is as well. Today, they announced that they want uh, us to put together a, a group of restaurateurs really representing the entire state all different types, right? Small, independent operators, couple chains, people with different backgrounds, ethnicities, sizes, the whole thing, and even sectors of the industry, right? So that they can get more direct input uh, from people on all these potential processes and procedures that we'll put in place and how comfortable and ready they are. That's the reason we ask for two weeks so that people have time. Now, some of the restaurants that are open doing the drive through and all that type of thing, They've already put these in. They're ready. I mean, they can flip a switch you know, within a day or two and start uh, doing it for dining as well. The people that have been closed now for six or seven weeks, first of all, they need a couple of weeks to just get inventory. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, inventory of food. They're, in most cases, their restaurants are empty right now. 
Right. And we also have in the backdrop of that, you know, uh, discussions about the national meat supply. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I, mean, I think actually our food service workers and, you know, we can give a shout out to uh, those working in supermarkets. I mean, they've really kept things rolling in a way that I think a lot of people were worried they would not. So that that's a, that's a good side, although, um, you know, there's been a lot of concern about the health of people working in those spaces and, you know, should masks be required by customers and just the vulnerabilities that are all around. You know, I'm guessing that you have, you see that on the other side too. Well, I mean, it's interesting that we're now getting so much more serious about all these protocols, groceries and other businesses that have been opening. It's really been up to them how they want to go about this. And we have very responsible grocers, obviously, that operate in the state, but I've been in the grocery stores where very few people had masks on. Yep. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of cleaning going on because it's a busy operation, right? And um, But restaurants do it all the time. It's just more natural for restaurants to do it. And so, you know, changing the culture inside of a restaurant is not going to be required. It's just going to be heightening the culture in a restaurant. And, you know, we looked at the models. We've seen this in, in South Korea and Japan and places like that. They've already been doing this for years, and uh, they just they just heightened all those processes and procedures. And I think that's the way life's going to be in America for a while. I really do. As listeners know, we like to plug important nonprofits doing work in and around Ohio. These aren't ads, to be clear, but just something we like to do to give these organizations a little attention. On this episode, we've mentioned some of the relief funds established for restaurants and restaurant workers in and around Ohio and nationally, and we'll be linking to those in our show notes, so please check those out. But since today's episode is about restaurants, I figured I might just tell you about a few of the local places I've been getting some extra takeout orders from in my neighborhood, just to make sure that those places make it through these difficult economic times, but also because they're delicious. I have to admit that I've been buying a bit more than my usual share of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. We've also done takeout from Ob India and Grandview and Bren's Pizza over in the Lenox Town Center. And finally, a few times a week, I've been stopping by two local cafes, Luck Brothers and the Grandview Grind, for some good coffee. My producer Mark, himself a laid-off restaurant employee, also wants me to put in a plug for Chewy's Tex-Mex Restaurant, which he tells me has been doing some pretty good work, too. I hear, though, that you have to do pickup if you want to take advantage of the uh, takeout margaritas. You can ask Mark about that. We'll be linking to these restaurants and more in our social media. If there are other Ohio establishments that you think have been doing a really good job during the COVID-19 pandemic and who deserve a shout-out, drop us a note by email, Facebook, or Twitter, and we'll be sure to share it with our listeners. So I know you've also launched uh, an employee relief fund, the Ohio Restaurant Employee Relief Fund, and there's also a national fund. I mean, a number of people have stepped up in important ways and some very like high-profile people to call attention to the needs uh, of people in the restaurant industry. Can you tell us a little bit about this fund? I mean, what what is it and what is it going to do? I mean, what, what are the goals of the fund? Yeah, I tell you, it really came out of our team at, at the RA and the board thinking, what can we do to help? We're, we're, we're trying to do all this promotion and advocacy, but what can we do for the people who really run it on a day-to-day basis and they're out of work now? What can we do? They've taken care of people for years and run, you know, really run these restaurants the right way. So we, we worked on this and came up, uh, we have a, an education fund inside of our organization, which is a C3, which you need to run one of these so that we can do 100% pass through of donations. Mm-hmm. We keep nothing 100% pass through. So we got that started and it's been running for about four weeks now. And uh, we've built up uh, kind of a nice base of donations, which is great. And we took, uh, we're now up to 1600 applications 
as people keep learning more about this, we're getting more applications every day. And uh, last Friday, I signed the first big batch of checks to go out to people. These are grants, cash, right? But they're mm-hmm. in the form of checks. And we're already getting the response notes back from people. And it, it'll just make you cry. Um, you know, I, I read one and the, and the woman said, I've been a server in this business for 29 years. I love taking care of people and I miss it so much. Mm-hmm. I have not gotten an unemployment check yet. So when I got this check, I was able to go out to the grocery store for the first time and fill my refrigerator. Yeah. That is the real world. I mean, that's the world we're dealing with here with all these people unemployed. And, you know, the state's trying to make the whole employment thing work, but we know there's been some snafus and people haven't gotten the money. And, um, you know, we're going to do everything we can. In fact, we got, we got really a stroke of uh, uh, just good fortune. Um, one of our board members uh, works at Michael Simon Restaurant. Uh, Lindsay's his name's great guy. He reached out to Michael and said, hey, would you help us promote this? Would you, would you do a video and try to get some attention for this? And Michael Simon is obviously the... Iron Chef and pretty famous and all that, but he's so down to earth. He's a great Ohio guy, a Cleveland guy, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, uh, so he he not only did the first video, he did a second video on Cameo, and so that really helped kind of supercharge uh, this whole relief fund. And since then, we've had some other celebrities. We've had Kamal Bulos from the Refectory um, do a video, and, and we'll have some others. And it's just it's just great. It's people asking for help until we can get through all this. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, right? They are, they are part of our society. We want them, you know, we want to take care of them the best we can. So we're going to keep cranking on this as, uh, as long as we can. Yeah. And for listeners, that's at ohiorestaurantsrelief.org. And I'm going to be linking to that in the show notes and doing some social media around it as well. But thank you. encourage people to go to ohiorestaurantsrelief.org. One major goal, I, I teach policy, I teach health policy, but, and, and, but in policy generally, one of the goals is to you know address problems but not overreact and it's it's a really fine like balancing game um you know governor dewine has acknowledged that there are risks in all policies there's no riskless policy but we're trying to find the right one and we're trying to also assure people that we're prioritizing health before economic need that we first need to deal with covid-19 and we you know the, the well-being of our economic lives is very, very important, but we have to just understand that, you know, this, this pandemic was real. Do you think that we've gotten it mostly right? Um, you know, uh, I mean, I know that hindsight's twenty twenty here, and we're not even at a point where we can do hindsight. But what's your sense of how we strike that balance? Have we been close to right? Um, or um, are there things that we could have done differently even at this point, or that we should be thinking about doing differently moving forward? I think most people in Ohio give uh, Governor DeWine high marks, and that would include myself and I think uh, most of the restaurant uh, people that I'm talking to. He's so thoughtful. Um, he, he, You can tell he cares deeply about every decision that he makes and the individual conversations that he's having. And I think, um, you know, if you look back on what we know now, Ohio going fat early, and doing it right has really paid off because our the amount of cases that have ended up in Ohio have been lower than a lot of our surrounding states and, and the deaths are lower. And so I think that's all very important and it shows that uh, those decisions uh, were right. And now I think we're at that moment where he's trying to thread that needle as perfectly as he can, continue to keep the safety, but begin to let the economy breathe again because this could be as bad as any recession since the 1930s. And if that's the case, we now have a, we have a safety net per, a problem uh, in Ohio and in, around the United States, meaning that there won't be enough 
tax funds to take care of people. And so I know he's worried about that. Um, so, you know, whether it's health programs or food for the most vulnerable and all the programs that we have to really support our society are at risk when you have no money coming into the state. Unlike the federal government, the state can't print money. We have to balance a budget. And so I know that weighs on him uh, considerably. So getting that balance right is one we've heard him speak about a lot. And I, I think he's very sincere about that. And um, I think the gradual reopening, most people have a, have approved that. We, we think the gradual reopening is right as well. And so we support that in general. Um, the only piece to that that we're asking for is to include an industry that already knows how to be a safe industry. So, um, but, but I think, you know, we'll look back on this and, and most of America has looked to Ohio for its leadership, which is interesting. Other governors are watching what Governor DeWine does. I saw the BBC talking about Director Acton and Governor DeWine. I mean, how many times does our state leadership make the BBC news headlines? You know, that's not something Ohioans are used to all the time. <laughs> well, this is uh, this is shedding a good light on, on our Buckeye State, and I think we're all proud of that. And um, if we're able to um, come out of this uh, compared to other states in, in a good place uh, as it relates to the COVID crisis and, uh, and get our economy going as safely as we can, uh, that's... I think that that'll be a great outcome. So, John, I I know you're a a smart man, so you're probably not going to answer this question, but I have to ask it anyway. All right. So Ohio's restaurants open back up. Where are you going to go for your first meal when you uh, can safely do so? Well, I have 23,000 favorites, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, However, I was hired by the Wendy's company in 1996, and my final interview was with Dave Thomas. And most of your listeners know who I'm talking about, founder of, of Wendy's. And um, and I'll never forget the interview was not an interview because by the time I got to him, it was more, I just want to make sure this Barker guy is okay, right? And so right. mostly what we talked about was family and values and the set of values he started the company on and what I feel comfortable fitting in with all that. And I'll never forget at the end of the interview, I walked out and I said, it doesn't even matter what the title is, what the pay is. Uh, if I have an office, it doesn't matter. I'm going to take this job. And uh, so I've always stayed uh, just very loyal uh, to Wendy. So even though you can go through the drive-through um, right now, I'm still going to, you know, when it, once it's all clear, I'm going to go into the dining room and sit down and have, you know, a single with the favorite toppings that I like and, uh, and, and enjoy that. And then I'll probably go to a fine dining restaurant the next day. So, <laughs> Well, I also just want to thank you for taking some time to, to talk with me um, and share some of your insight with our listeners. Well, I appreciate it, Dan. It's great talking to you. And anytime we can help, uh, just let us know. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by Dan Skinner and produced by Dan Skinner and Mark Franz. You can find show notes for this episode on WCBE's webpage at wcbe.org. It's under the podcast experience tab. Please take a minute to subscribe to Prognosis Ohio, follow us on Twitter at at Prognosis Ohio, and friend us on Facebook. As always, we encourage you to email us your suggestions and your feedback at prognosisohio at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to Prognosis Ohio, and please be well, friends.